Hello, I'm Con. And I'm Stav. And, and we're we Eddie, Eddie Nucky. You're listening to Radio Karam. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is Kaylee Boisfer, a financial advisor passionate about empowering women and helping them achieve financial independence. She grew up watching her single mother struggle with money, which motivated her to learn about personal finance and help others. Kaylee believes everyone should have access to financial education and she has made it her mission to create a world where no one is limited by their financial situation. Kaylee hosts a monthly women's only event where she provides a comfortable space for women to learn and discuss money and investment topics. She is also the host of the Wealth and Wellness podcast, which aims to bridge the gap between net worth and self-worth. In addition to her events and podcast, Kaylee has written numerous articles on financial literacy, including one on raising money-savvy children that was published in the Calgary Child magazine. As a single mother herself and a financially independent woman, Kaylee is committed to helping women overcome their many money stress. Sorry, it's easy for me to say their money-related stress and achieve financial security. She believes that women should never have to feel anxious about how to support themselves, their family and their future. In 2023, Kaylee will release two books, a non-fictional book called Make Money Your Thing and a children's picture book called Money Wise, Mabel's Bursting Bank. Through her work, Kaylee hopes to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and to help women take control of their financial futures. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, welcome Kaylee to the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, I'm, I can't wait to delve into today's subject. So look, we are going to talk about how to get financially savvy as a single mom as such. So how did you get to, how did you get to this point where you're now empowering women to be financially savvy? Yeah, that's a great question. So my start, I guess it goes back way to when I was just growing up and I was raised by a single mom as well. So 
being raised by a single mom, for me, money in my in my family, in that experience, money was really showing up as a source of like stress oftentimes and struggle for us. And so what I was hearing about finances is like, we don't have enough, we never have enough. And, and it, it got really stressful. Like she would, you know, sometimes share some of the details of, you know, where we're at with our finances and stuff like that. Wow. And, and so as a child, you just feel so helpless. And it's all I wanted to do was like, you know, help in any way I could, but I felt really powerless at the time of like, how can I do much? I was like seven, eight years old at the time. And, you know, I didn't really have a lot of earning potential. So I think that really stuck with me seeing how much like, like stress and that the power of money and how that could play out on a family in your life. And, you mm. know, it, it really felt like at times it was like taking her attention away almost because it was like the stress you could tell it was like, it, it's concerning, right? As a single mom, when you have to make ends meet and keep the roof all over your head and pay the bills and, and not knowing some months, like if you're going to be able to do that would be, I imagine, really stressful for her. So, I think from that start, I just knew early on that I wanted to make sure that no women had to go through that same thing. Like, what could I do to help and support that? And so then fast forward to, you know, going through university and I always did business courses and I really took a strong liking to finance courses because it was that money theme and topic coming up again. Yeah. And I was so fascinated and it felt like it was like, an equation or something we can figure out or solve. And then um, then right out of university, I got a job working in the finance industry. And I knew I was just, I had landed in the place I was meant to be. Um, but starting out, what I really kept seeing kind of time and again is like women, their like needs and, and whatnot, which just weren't being like weren't the focus. Like it felt, you know, it was very male dominated the industry. And when we were having the conversations with our clients, it was often the husbands and, you know, the women were in the room oftentimes, but not being spoken to. And it felt like, you know, that really reignited that, oh, okay, I have to do something and really help women. Like I've always wanted to raised by a single mom. I was a single mom myself. And I knew that that's what I need to do, that I need to make women feel comfortable and welcome and and like, this is an inviting space for them. And I want women to feel confident when it comes to money. So that's my whole background and what brought me to this point. And I really love getting to have these conversations with women. And I really want to change that, like change that whole archaic view of like men being the ones in control of the finances and the money and the investing and for women to really step into their power as well when it comes to money. Yeah, because money can be such a controlling element of a relationship. And um, as a woman, if you um, aren't in control of your finances, and maybe it's the control freak of me, I'm very much like I am happy to be in a partnership and share my finances, but um, I like to have a joint bank account and then my own bank account, right? So that, you know, what I earn, I contribute to the household and stuff like that. But then I've also got my own independence, right? And and that's that can be such a problem. And I, I was talking to somebody the other day and I didn't realise it was such a it blew my mind, right? But really only 70 years ago, like in the 50s and 60s, right? Women needed a man to sign for them to have a bank account. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like it's insane, right? I'm going, what? They like didn't think women were like responsible enough to have their own money. Like it was just nuts, right? But I suppose that's 
how far we've come really like you know you can get bank accounts online now and you know it's yeah it's about getting some control back for yourself as a woman i suppose and i agree being a single mum that's my number one concern can i feed my son are we okay will we have a roof over our head will we have heating and things like that and then and then all the other stuff like it's just secondary really but um yeah my that's my number one concern it's um it's crazy and like your poor old mum right she was going through that with you kids yeah um is it just you or you and your brother or sister yeah it was me and my sister and yeah she was you know i saw her working so hard like she was at one point she was working five jobs like so it was she was doing everything she could and like by no means was she just like slacking off and you know hoping for the best like she worked so hard and did all the things she could but yeah it's just you know having money show up so stressful it's like what can we do what actions can we take to make sure that you're not feeling that way to make sure that money isn't showing up as you know this negative kind of overall theme so we can actually like enjoy our time with our children and and be in that moment versus like having our minds off in the distance thinking about are we going to be okay like that's just so sad and scary to think when you're when you're you're focused and you should be focused on, you know, enjoying life and the joys that we get to experience. Well, because it goes so quickly as well, right? So you don't yeah. want to be working five jobs um, mm. and then not enjoying your kids, right? So, yeah. okay. So look, what are some of the mistakes that people make and potentially single mums make regarding money? Where do we start with all of this? How do we sort it out? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of room for improvement, I would say. And and I like to say it's okay. Like there's no guilt or shame in that. Um, if you do up to this point feel like I haven't been good with money or I make mistakes, I always like to say to people, you know, forgive yourself, give yourself grace. And there isn't really mistakes, right? It's money lessons we learn and and the grace that we have to give ourselves too is we didn't learn a lot of this when we were young. And, and so it's kind of like a crash course when you're an adult. And, and so if you've been doing some of these things, it's okay. Like it's not a place to beat yourself up or be like, Oh, all hope is lost. Like this is again, me just kind of pointing out, here's some things that women could do better at. So I would say first thing being like the mindset and the self-talk, um, And it's why I called my book, which is coming out soon, it's called Make Money Your Thing. And that's in response to women saying things like, money just isn't my thing. I'm not good at math. I'm not good with numbers. Well, then make it your thing. Um, There's so much power in our words and our mindset. And if we're just writing ourselves off, which I feel like a lot of women do, it's almost like the imposter syndrome. It creeps into our financial lives very strongly, I would say. And so can you like look at that talk you're having around money and really assess what is it like? Is it mostly negative? And if that's the case, can you be intentional about turning it around? Can you make it more of like a positive mindset? Can you be in a place where you're like, money is my thing. Um, I got this. Like I'm gonna, you know, maybe I, I didn't know about this before, but I'm figuring it out. I'm learning more every day. Whatever it is you can do to like even that gradual shift But it's so important because that kind of influences our whole relationship. It's almost like right off the bat, if you just think negatively and and that it's always that struggle and you're not good with it, then you're not going to get anywhere with it, unfortunately. So I would say the mindset, the self-talk is a huge one that we could work on. Um, The idea of like avoiding, not taking action, 
you know, um, head in the sand approach when it comes to finances. That's a huge one for women. It's almost like oh, wow. if I just sweep it under the rug, <laughs> it won't Let's exist. Let's not open those letters that come through or exactly. oh, I'll just put those emails in my junk box, right? And say I never got them, right? Yeah. And that's like, come on, people. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, we can't. And again, it if it's going to go away. Yeah. And if it's causing stress and anxiety, you know, I, I get it because it, it can be a very heavy topic. But try to find a different way to approach it of like, this is awareness for me. This is helping me on my financial journey by me being in the know, by me um, having, you know, this time that I spend with my money. Like we spend so much time earning money, but how much time and attention are we giving back to it? And I, that's a topic too I discuss in my book about like we need to be giving our money time and attention. And I suggest giving yourself like a money date, which is just dedicated wow. time where you devote to your money and your finances and you know you could tap tackle a topic like your budget or um you know your upcoming bills or things like that or how you want to what are your goals for the future whatever it is that's fine but it's just giving some money and or sorry some time and energy back um not ignoring it so when you say money day you mean book and say, right, Thursday evening is my money date, right? I'm going to Thursday evening when the kids are in bed, I'm basically going to spend a couple of hours just going through and sorting out my money. Basically. Yeah. So what, so is that like looking at budgeting or is that educating yourself or what, what is a money date? It can be a lot of things. Like you're saying, those are great topics. Like have it as a reoccurring event and maybe just make it something like an hour once a month or things like that. Like maybe don't put it too long of a, a time frame because you'll probably avoid it if you do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> make it fun. Make it like I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have a glass of wine or I'm going to you know, put on some good music. And yeah, I'm going to look through my transactions this past month and see where my money was going like that's a good one with inflation being so high recently why don't we kind of take a look and see where is most of the money going you know do i have to make any changes am i okay with that or when i look at that does it cause me stress being like wow i spend more on takeout than i realized or something like that um so yes it could be something as simple as just going through past transactions it could be taking a time to listen to a money podcast taking a time to read a couple chapters of a money book. Because um, if you set it as something reoccurring, it's almost like you can make a new kind of idea depending on where you're at. Maybe it's if you're in a partnership, it's sitting down and having a conversation about where you want to devote like the savings or um, what your goals are for the next five to 10 years and, and see if you guys are on the same page and things like that. Um, so it's it could be all sorts of things. That's the fun part. And you can get creative with that. But it's just, again, being mindful of like putting it in your calendar, scheduling an event, just like you would a meeting. So you're going to show up and you're going to actually do it. Yeah, blimey. And okay, so is... So what about, right, if you've got a couple of kids, you've in a, you're moved into a house, right, and you're working a job and stuff, right? How do you start to, so we've organized a money day and you start to look at your budgets and things like that, right? Um, what? How do you start to then look at getting yourself out of any holes? And I say holes as in debt or things like that. How do you start to get yourself more into a 
positive situation where you are wanting to open your emails and and like you know i mean the lotto emails are the ones that you want to be opening the ones that say you've won like a million dollars not like ten dollars <laughs> 52 cents right but even so um everything counts right but uh and how do you then start to get yourself more into a positive and then how do you keep that momentum going because i don't think people actually realize it's small baby steps isn't it and it can make a massive difference over a, a long period of time. So sorry, I've given you my exactly. half a dozen questions there. But like, okay, so yeah. you then go, right, I'll yes. sort out my budgets. <laughs> right, I'll sort out my budgets, right? So you sort out your budget and you find out and discover like, okay, right, this is where I'm at. How, what, how do you do, how do you get yourself from a debt situation into a credit situation? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great first step is the awareness piece of doing the budget, I would say the majority of people haven't even gotten that step done. So that's so key because you don't know what, you know, you're not aware of essentially. So you need that awareness. If you're going to, if something needs to change, you need to fix something. Well, you first need to know the situation. So doing the budget. And again, just, it's just picking a past month. Like we're in May right now, as we're recording this, but you could just say, okay, month of April, um, I'm going to go through all my transactions and like add on everything instead of just, you know, we can't take a shortcut and say like, well, here's the big bills. And you kind of just do it in your head. Like, this is what I pay for my mortgage. This is what I pay for my tax and insurance and whatnot. Like you're going to miss so many things when you do that, unfortunately. So it's not the best way to do that approach, but so it's looking at absolutely everything. And again, it's not saying like that you have to like now restrict yourself or you can never enjoy a, you know, fancy coffee again or something. That's not what this is about. It's just going through it and having the awareness because maybe you go through it and realize, wow, you know, for me, it was like, wow, I spend a lot more on takeout than I realize. <laughs> so then knowing that I'm more mindful and I make more dinners at home now. And I just, I'm more like, okay. And I see the improvement of like, if I can, you know, reduce that slightly, that's going to make a big difference. Um, and maybe for you, it's something else like, but it's everyone, it's probably kind of different. And what you might see is like, well, spending money on takeout is not really like in alignment with my goals and values. Like for me, I love, you know, going on trips and like traveling with my kids. And that was always a goal of mine that I wanted to be able to do for my children is like take them places and and see new places and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, instead of spending money on takeout, I'd rather be spending that money towards traveling. And I wouldn't feel bad seeing those kind of align items versus money where I'm just like spending on food and I could be making food at home or whatnot. So it's it's going through that exercise because you might see ways that you can shift that's more in alignment with what feels good for you. And so that's really helpful. Um, you're also going to be able to see once you're doing that exercise, um, how much you realistically spend. You're going to be able to see um, areas that you might be able to kind of cut back on or change like we're, you know, there's, we're in the kind of era of like having subscriptions to everything. And, and so maybe you're looking at those and you're saying, wow, there's a few of these I can cancel because I don't even use them anymore. Um, it, so finding, you know, easy ways like that to save money. And then of course, like the really obvious one is you want to make sure that money coming in is exceeding money going out. Because if we're talking about debt and getting yourself out of debt, that's an impossible math equation. If money coming in is always lower than money going out, you're not going to get out of debt. You're going to get further into debt. Like that's math. There's no way around that. So 
Money coming in always has to be more than money going out. If not, you have a math problem there that is going to get you into debt and further in debt if you have debt right now. Um, so money coming in, as long as it's exceeding money going out, then it's just finding a ways to probably automate your savings and investing to make sure that that excess money, you're giving it like a, a purpose and a location where it's not necessarily then, you know, oh, I have some money still at the end of the month. You just go blow it on something. Like if you give it that destination of like, I'm putting this towards my retirement savings, I'm putting this towards my, you know, emergency account or something like that, have it automatically happen just like a bill would happen. That's a really good way to just simplify things, automate, and then you're going to help with the whole savings, building net worth. Um, but yes, if it's a, an issue of debt, I would say to people, you know, again, not a time to just get down on yourself and whatnot. I would say, you know, being in debt, it's it's very common because the use of like credit cards and being able to shop online and, um, you know, buy all these things instantaneously, yeah. it makes it really hard. Like I think we could all probably say like we have a bit of a spending problem in some category. Like that's just the reality. And again, it's gotten so easy to spend money. Like you used to not be able to spend money just like from the comfort of your couch in the middle of the night, but now you can. <laughs> I know. I know. And the thing is, we've got things like, I don't know if you've got it uh, in Canada where you are, right? But we've got things over here like Afterpay, right? Which is awesome, right? Absolutely. I love Afterpay, right? I think it's great. But it so it means that I don't pay anything. I can buy something, get it delivered, and I don't pay anything for the first two weeks. And then I have four payments. That, so they split up the payment into four payments, right? However, right, that's great. But I still got to pay the money, right? And the problem is, yes, it's spread out over like, you know, a couple of months, right? But if I'm buying loads of stuff in our, like those payments add up, right? And I could be owing in a month 500 bucks because I've bought, oh, I've bought this, I've bought that. And I've just bunged it on Afterpay because, you know, it's, oh, you just put it on Afterpay because it's fine. You know, you don't have to worry about it for the first two yeah. weeks. And, and it goes on. I mean, also I'm a bit sneaky because I put it on my credit card, yeah. which means I get an extra month. Yeah of not paying it and then I have to, but it's a credit card, right? So I have to pay my credit card off. Otherwise I've then got the interest on my credit card. So yeah, there's, there's things that you've got to think about. And although I'm extending my not paying it off for an extra month, right? It can make it quite an expensive month on the credit card yeah. when I'm trying to clear it. Yeah. And, um, and I know what you're saying though, because there are apps out there at the moment and I don't know if any of the banks, in Canada or the US have them as well, but there's apps out there where what you spend on your credit card gets rounded up and that extra money. So it could be that you buy something that's um, $5. I don't know where this has come from. $5.52, right? And so they'll round it up to $6 and that 48 cents will get invested into a savings um thing that you've got i can't think of the word you'd be but saving scheme that you sort of set up and so you don't actually notice the cents coming off right but it gets rounded up and then a, a lump sum every month um after everything you've spent gets pulled out and then basically gets invested right and so really you don't actually you don't really see that so it might be that you only save twenty dollars a month, right? But it doesn't really matter. You don't really like it just doesn't figure um in all of that. And also, while you were talking just then, I was thinking 
go into a coffee shop, right? And I live in Melbourne, right? So we love our coffee here, right? Buying a nice coffee, right, is about $4.50. If you're going for the fancy almond milk, soy milk, it might be five bucks, right? And and then if you want to get an extra grande, large, whatever, like bucket of coffee, right, it could be more like five, six bucks, right? So if you're getting two coffees a day, that's $12. And if you're working five days a week, right, just do the maths, right? So instead of getting two, you could say, right, I'm going to get one in the morning and then invest that other money. Yeah. And over a month, that's quite a considerable amount of money, right? Yeah. If you're saying five bucks a day, yeah. five days a week, $25, that's like a hundred bucks you could invest. Yeah, exactly. Just for the sake of some wet, bitter tasting drink. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's. I would say it's all kind of like, almost like we're addicted to that stuff. Well, so that's a whole nother story, but but I, again, it's it's become so easy to spend money. And I think we need to acknowledge that. Like, I think we need to, as consumers, really be more like discerning about where am I spending money and and when you're going to spend money, you know, is it like a, a feeling I get? There's so much like emotional side to money and spending that sometimes we're buying things and spending stuff just because it's like we had a bad day. And then you go a little bit crazy with like Amazon shopping because that's going to cheer you up, you think. And maybe it doesn't even do that. Like how many of your purchases, if you look around, how many things can you honestly say, like, I probably didn't need that too, right? And you get, you have an abundance of stuff in your house. And then then what do you do? Like I'm I'm looking to move in the next, like in sort of the end of next month, and moving is a great example. You're packing stuff and you're like, I don't need this. I don't need that. So you're giving it away or you're selling it. And and then you kind of wonder like, well, why did I buy that in the first place? And and so if we can start to get, I think, more mindful, again, like think that the forces are strong and they're always working against us. There's like marketing has gone to another level with the world of like technology. You're on your phone and it's ads are popping up nonstop. And probably some of them you're not even like aware of. It's probably just like going to our subconscious or something like that, where it's just constant that we're being bombarded. So it's no wonder that it's like we're in this like mindset or place where we want to spend money and shop and do these things. But yeah, if you can like do anything to pause, because there has to be something probably to do with like the parts of your brain that are at play. And, and when you're making those snap decisions on buying something, um, I would, I would argue you're probably not necessarily using that rational part of your brain. So if you can do anything to put a pause between like when you make the purchase and and when you start deciding and things that's a great idea like i have a client she's such an amazing saver and i asked her i'm like you know what is your secret because you do such a good job of saving money like one of the best i've ever seen and she says i don't bring my wallet out when i go to the when i go to the mall and when i go shopping i'm like wow that seems odd but then she explained that you know she's still there she's looking and then she goes home and if there's something that really is sticking with her of like, oh, I really want that. And a few days later, she still finds herself like really thinking about it, wanting to buy it, then she'll go back and get it, she said. But the majority of the time, that doesn't happen. And so it's like she's finding a way to stop herself, to kind of save herself that instant gratification and um, that instant instantaneous. And I don't know what's happened over the years. I, th- I think something's changed because I know when I was a kid growing up, it was like, you first have to save up the money and then you buy the thing. And now it's like, <laughs> I want it now. I'll think about paying for it at another time. Paying for but it I'll later. Want it now. <laughs> I know. 
I know. And the thing is, I suppose one of the things that you could do um, is if you find, if you look around your house and you find that you've bought a load of stuff and you're not even using it, then it's really around, let's get harsh with yourself and like put it on. I mean, there are Facebook marketplace, you know, and places like that that you can sell it, give it to somebody else instead of having it clutter up your house and you're not using it, right? Somebody else might love to use it. So yeah, it's just getting rid of that stuff and getting it out, decluttering in a way. Um, And I love listening to some other guys called the minimalists, if I could say that on a Friday. Um, those guys actually just decluttered their life completely, right? So, um, yeah, got rid of everything. They don't, they have very basic amounts. Um, but it's great. It must be, I haven't done that yet. I haven't dared do that yet, but like, it's probably very freeing to not have much stuff. And I know with you moving, you'll probably be yeah. more than grateful to not have much stuff to pack. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. There's but, yeah. so much stuff when you have kids. So I get that. But again, it's just like really thinking like, do I like going back to the days of like, you know, when we're a kid and we learn about like wants versus needs, like, can we go back to that time and and look at every decision with that? Is this a want or a need? And, and that's probably more important now than ever with, you know, inflation and the prices of everything going so high, we have to be a little bit more, um, on like really on alert with this stuff probably because you're probably seeing the pinch when you go to the grocery store and it costs a lot more to get your groceries and that's a a need right we need to eat so you can't really like change much there you can maybe find some stores that have sales or whatnot but you know that's probably not the place you're going to find savings but you know instead saying like oh okay i really wanted to you know do this renovation on the house but maybe i'll push it off a little bit longer because i don't need that right now and and so just going through the wants versus needs yeah wow wow okay okay so then um what would you say people should concentrate on first like clearing debt or saving money as such like if they've got i don't know ten thousand dollars on their credit card should they be clearing that or should they actually just be paying it off each month but then um, the, the little money that they've got left over, like saving it as well. So doing like both, paying off the debt and saving, or should they just go, right, let's focus on paying off debt and getting that all cleared so they're back to a neutral position? What's the best thing to do? That's a good question. And it's probably, there is an element of like, probably dependent on the person and the circumstances, For the most part, I would say from like the mathematical perspective, it probably does make sense to pay off that high interest at first. Because when it comes to credit cards, we're talking double digit interest that can add up really quick. So Mm. I would likely suggest that focus on that first. Um, But that being said, you know, there is still kind of the thought of, well, having some extra savings in case of emergency, right? Like, what if it's an emergency that you can't necessarily put on your credit card and you need cash for it, then you're kind of hooped in that situation. So if that's the case and you are concerned about something like that, having a little bit of savings, but then yes, really focusing on paying down when it's credit card debt, high interest debt. Um, It's different for like mortgages and and payments on your house because usually the 
interest rate is quite a bit lower and, and you can earn that kind of return in like investing in stock markets and things like that. So it's not necessarily, you know, that you need to get your house paid off right away or something like that. But yes, for like high interest debt, you do want to focus on paying that down quickly. Um, and if you feel like, I think one of the challenges with, with debt and credit card debt, there is this like heaviness of like, I can, you know, never get out of debt or I'm always in debt. Like make sure if you're feeling like that it's this constant revolving situation for you, then maybe it's also time to kind of dig a little bit deeper and see some of the emotional side of things and unpack that a little bit. Um, because if you're, if that's the scenario of like, I'm always in debt and you're saying things like that or thinking things like that, that's going to just keep happening. And you're, you are going to be in that scenario. So going into like diving deeper and saying like, you know, what is this coming up? Like, is it a self-worth issue too, that's coming in here? Why do I, you know, spend and think like, keep going into debt? What is it? What does it feel like when I do it? Is it when I'm feeling crappy or does it make me feel better? And it's, can we replace that with something else that maybe wouldn't cost money or wouldn't be something you have to add to the debt? And then, um, being really mindful to have a plan of like action of what that will look like. Because if you get really specific on your plan, it's much easier to follow through on than if you just say like, I want my credit card paid off. Well, again, it's like all goals. They should be like specific, actionable and have a timeline and all those things. So treat it like that as a goal, like say, you know, I want it paid off by this date. Obviously it has to be realistic too. And, and, you know, this is the plan I'm going to take. I'm going to put away $250 a month extra or whatever that number is for you. And then, you know, take it like do that versus just saying like, oh, I, you know, I don't want credit card debt anymore and I want to get rid of it. How specific can you be? How much of like a specific plan can you make? And, and I am also aware that like, again, we're going through a tough season as single moms. I would say that the, there's these unplanned scenarios that happen. So by all means, like, not an easy answer to just be like just make a plan and pay it off like i get yeah. sometimes like seasons we go through where it's like i can't like i i have all these things that came at me i don't have the money for it um you know that's gonna happen and and when you're one think of it you're one income earner likely if you're a single parent versus like dual income families where they have almost someone to come in and kind of back up when when things go down and, and whatnot so you're doing it all on your own. So recognize that, give yourself grace. And, and so there might be seasons where like, this isn't possible for me to make extra payments on my debt or whatnot. And that's completely okay. But don't decide then that thou all hope is lost and you can't still get to that position where you want to be, where you, you know, ideally see yourself with your finances. Like that's all still very possible. And I've seen, you know, single moms, do amazing things with their finances just by doing, like you said, those little things along the way that really add up. Yeah, look, I agree. Um, don't be afraid to get help. Okay. Yes. Like get help either looking at your finances and actually look working through, well, what have you got debt wise? How can you pay that off? Um, and actually get somebody on board to help you. Um, there are lots of podcasts out there. There are lots of people like yourself, Kaylee, yeah. that help, go out and help people to actually, and your book as well that's coming out to actually look at um, how do you change your mindset? How do you get like money wise? How do you, and I'm going to quote your book now, be a money boss 
and um and basically change your view and move into a more positive situation but then also when i say get help um i'm meaning um you may need help because you're um you're dealing with traumatic situations at home or situations in your relationships or whatever and you're spending money because it's some kind of therapy like alcohol would be for somebody else like um you know drugs would be for somebody else you're actually you know um netflix could be for somebody sitting on netflix who's depressed right you're depressed and spending money and getting yourself more and more into trouble um go get help go see a counselor try and if you're going round and round in that mindset then yeah no um i agree i yeah. agree uh, there is health out there so yeah. yeah like money coaches yeah a counselor that specifically focuses on money and i think it's like money like that's why like the subtitle of my book is ditch the shame and you know design your dream life and it's because like like shame who Brene Brown you know talks about and she's like a great researcher on this but it's that internalized it's like i am not good i am this and and we take money and we make it mean things about us and that's really sad because like money is nothing money is like a construct and it's not good or bad and you know it's just the form of how we exchange goods so how have we like made it have so much power that it can tell us like i'm not a good person or i'm not worthy because i don't have enough money like that's horrible and and for people that are internalizing that um that's so so sad that we need to be talking about this more like we have to be talking about money more and it's like this very deep almost shame that people just hold with them and they don't have conversations about it. Like they'll go and have conversations about their relationship. If it's, if they're having marital problems or whatever, more so than they will have conversation about money. It's like this like last resort of like, Oh my gosh, now, you know, when things have gotten way too bad or, or like they've just gotten like unmanageable, but like at any point, um, get help, talk to someone like, again, like that's my goal is like, money should not be a form of stress. Like there's so much other things going on in life that can cause us stress. Like let those be the things maybe, but let's not be, have it be money. Cause money it's again, it just, I don't feel like we should be giving so much power to it. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's you, controlling you, not you controlling yeah, it as such. Yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So look, how did you start to talk to your kids about money and like being positive about it and not having money control them because that's the other thing, right? Um, God, it drives me insane about like, oh, I need this and I need, I need this and I need this new pair of trainers and I need this toy. And, oh, you know, I mean, at the moment it's bloody footy books and stuff like that at, in Australia because it's Australian footy rules. Uh, season. And so, you know, the kids are going, oh, I need more footy cards. I need a book. You know, it's all about I need. Um, and you go, well, do you really need them? But like, how do you, how do you talk and get your kids thinking more positively about money, not getting them into debt? Like, no, you know, so it, setting them up for success when they fly from the nest as such. How do you yeah. start to do that? My child's yeah, seven, so, so how do I start yeah. to do that? <laughs> yeah, it's so powerful. You're right. And we can do things now because we do want to set them up for success. We want them, like we want our children to have the best lives and feel good and, 
you know, and, and that is so important for parents to take on the role of helping mentor our children when it comes to money and finances, um, because they don't really get a lot of that teaching in school. And, you know, that's a whole other issue, but that's maybe something that's probably beyond our control and the fight right now. So it's just like, let's just take it on as our you know, a, another thing that we need to teach our children, a life skill we need to teach them. And for any parent that feels like, well, I don't even know enough about it to be teaching them. Of course you do. Like, just think about like, you know, you pay bills, you buy things, you sell things, you have credit cards, you get your paychecks, you you do know more than you think you know. So don't like write yourself off and be like, I can't, I don't, I wouldn't know how to teach them that. Of course you can. And it's just, like you said, it's communicating. It's having the conversations. Let's not let money be a topic of taboo. Let's have conversations with our children. That's age appropriate. And again, try to keep it like positive if you can, by all means, but just taking them to the grocery store. And maybe it's like comparison shopping, like at the age your child is and just being like, oh, you know, we need to buy this. There's this one that's this much and it has this money, you know, many, you know, the size of it or whatever versus this one. And like, which one is a better deal or, um, having communication. Like I was at the checkout at the grocery store with my daughter, Ivy, she's eight. And it was something like gum or something. It was like two or two fifty or something. I'm like, geez, like when I was a kid, that was like a dollar. And so I'm like, that's inflation, Ivy. I'm like, it's this, everything's getting so expensive. And da, da, da. So it's just like having those moments where you can teach them something and talk to them about something. And um, right now, Ivy's actually working on like her croc charm store. So like, you know, the shoes, the crocs. Oh my God. Yeah. What's that? So they, um, you can buy like the croc charms at the store. I bought her some and it was like 25 bucks for five of these silly little things. And she lost a bunch. And I'm like, oh my gosh, those are like $5 each. And then, so we found some on Amazon and she ordered them, which they're a lot cheaper. And she's like, I'm like, you should sell these. And so now she has her own little store. She's already like, she's like, mom, I made $10. I'm like, you should be like selling at school first off. I'm like, how do kids even have money at school at that age? But she's this little entrepreneur and she's making signs and she's like, I'm going to make receipts. And like, it's just, it's so cute. She's just this eight-year-old experimenting being a business owner. And again, it's just in a very safe environment. Like she's not going to lose the house if her crock charm business doesn't work. But it's just fun things where she's learning about like the work and then making money and you know, all those sorts of things. So it's like, how can we do those fun things with our kids? Like maybe it is um, like letting them help budget for their birthday parties saying like, okay, this is how much you could spend. And like, so what do you want to do? And and they can kind of actually have some choice and and be engaged in the process. So we're like giving them some some power and and some ability to make control, like make decisions and and have a say in it. And, and that's why they can like experiment. And again, it's in a very safe environment because they're not now, you know, paying a mortgage and things like that. They're in, they still have you paying all the bills and stuff. So it's, it's just letting them, you know, make those decisions, think about those things. Um, yeah, for kids, there's so many just kind of like thinking of just fun things like playing store. Um, and then as they get older, maybe it's, they get their first job and it's helping them understand like, okay, you know, maybe you're going to put this much towards savings and you can spend this much at a time kind of thing. Just Helping them implement like good, diligent behavior like that is huge because what I've seen like down the line of people that are very successful with their finances and the millionaires and the multimillionaires, it started early. Like they talk about those stories of their parents saying like, oh, when I wanted a Cabbage Patch doll, I had to save up and buy it myself. And so it's that they learned these things, they got to do it. And that's so empowering instead of thinking like, oh, great, I have to buy all the stuff for them. 
What if you do turn it around of like, okay, that's great. You can have it, but you have to save up money for it. And, and they get to do it and it feels good. Like that was what happened with me as a kid. So it was, my mom would always say like, no, we can't afford it. You can't have that. But I asked for a super Nintendo, which is like a gaming system. And, and she was like, her response instead was like, okay, if you want it, buy it yourself. And I was like, oh, like that means I can have it. And so I like did odd jobs and I saved up all my birthday money. And it took me like a year and some to be able to buy it, but I did it and all with my own money. And it, felt so good. And it's this feeling of like confidence of like, I can do these things. I can have big goals. And, and so, yes, it can start with things as simple as buying your own doll or your own toy, but that leads to much bigger things in the future. So yes, as parents, there's so much you can do and it's so powerful and just being open to having conversations, letting them experiment. Um, that's the best things we can do, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. My son's saving for us. A scooter at the moment. Yeah. He's only got 30 bucks and the scooter's like a hundred. But you know, like at the end of the day, like it's driving him to actually understand earning mm-hmm. money. He's doing jobs like emptying the dishwasher. And yeah. I'm I'm a bit stingy because I've probably only given him a dollar for that. But hey ho, it's all good. He needs to yeah. understand, right? So yeah. um, but yeah, no, I agreed, agreed. Like it's not. Um, I know some kids who just get like 20 bucks a week as pocket money, but I'm not sure what they do for it. Um, yeah. But it's getting actually work for it. Because guess what? I have to work for my money, right? Yeah. I don't get given it. Exactly. So it's, there's no free money out there. It doesn't grow on trees. I wish it did because then like I'd be planting, I'd be filling my garden full of these trees that grow money. But, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no. so much. Yeah. And yeah. And I do actually... I was going to say I wrote a kid's book about a little girl learning about money. It's a kid's picture book and it comes out in September. Um, It's called Money Wise Mabel's Bursting Bank. And again, it's just for that. Like like I think, you know, the target age for that is like four to six. And it's like we can have these conversations so early because just like math, like the concepts are going to build on each other, right? So math, we kind of learn addition, subtraction first. And then we go on to like, division and you know all the calculus stuff of like the quadratic equations and all that stuff (laughs) but the same thing yeah which is great and some people find it's really fascinating and lovely and you know hats off to you but oh my god but yeah if we don't know about this a b minus (laughs) divided by c star something yeah no it's all good but yeah we can it's just the concepts of money they build on each other so if it's just having a conversation of you know, comparison shopping or how much things cost. That's just, it's knowledge that you're sharing. That's just going to keep building on itself. They might not get it at first. It might be completely over their head, but eventually they start to like Ivy now kind of deciphers between cost of things. Like I'll be like, Oh, it costs this much money. She's like that much money for that. And so it's like, she's already making those decisions of like what's worth it and what's not. And, and when you're not having those conversations, kids wouldn't know you could be like, that's $5,000. And they'd just be like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Buy it for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose in her head, she's now figuring out, well, hang on a minute, like 5,000 bucks. I'd have to work for like three years to get that money. (laughs) So, you know, which is good, which is good because like most of us do, right? We have to work to get our money to buy nice stuff. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, look, thank you for coming and talking to us all about all of this. Um, I think it's fantastic that, well, when you're writing a book, to just change people's minds and have more positive view. Because I also think our own emotions towards money 
means whether we earn money or not really as well, right? So if we have negative and, and we have negative connotations towards money and that money's evil, yep. right, then it will be, it will. right? And, um, you know, it will be destructive in our lives. And if you've got a positive view on money there and positive outlook, um, then, yeah, it tends to have more of a positive impact on your life. Um, and we need to be instilling this in your ki- in our kids. And I agree with you, like, I don't, like, fair enough, the schools need to teach us, you know, geography and, like, you know, what's a rock and animals yeah. and, like, all of that malarkey. But I'm going, what about the financial savviness that we need when we leave school? And, yes, some would say that that should be on the parents, but, it, like, a lot of us are working because we need three or four <laughs> jobs to afford all the stuff that's out there now. But, um, but yeah, and it's great that you've written a kid's book because I was sitting there while you were talking about kids, I was thinking, oh, God, if only there was something out there that we could actually, like, walk through with our children. Because yeah. you're right, like, some adults, some parents aren't financially savvy, so it would be good to actually, you know, have something to as a tool yeah. to help them and help their kids. Yeah, and just it's opening the conversation. It's just saying to kids, like, having the conversation, I always ask Ivy, like, what kind of job do you want to work at when you grow up? And like, what kind of, what will your house look like? And just like getting ideas from them of like, what is their oh, What does she want to do when she grows she, up? It's changed a few times. She wants to be a singer right now. So I'm like, oh, good for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe take, you know, singing lessons might be a good start. And she's like, no, I'm already good enough. I'm like, okay, that's good too. I don't. Yeah. My, my son wants to be like Ed Sheeran and sing in front of lots of yeah. people. So my son, so maybe they could be a band, right? <laughs> right? Maybe they could be a band. And, um, and he wants to be an influencer. And I'm like, oh my God, how these times have changed. Right. <laughs> really, and I'm that like, wasn't I want to be on YouTube, mom. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't a job when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm always um, like, Ivy, yeah, you could just, this is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, or you could take over my business, Ivy. And she's like, no, mom. I'm like, okay. No, nah, <laughs> nah, that's all yours. Thanks a lot. I'm going to be my own person. Yeah. yeah, no, it's fair enough. So how do people find you and your books online? Like your books aren't coming out until July and September, yeah. like you've mentioned, right? But like, how do they find you? And do you actually hold sessions to help people as well? Do you like review people's finances? What, yeah. What's the go there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I work with individual clients doing all that. Like they're reviewing their finances and planning and, um, you know, in, like investing and things like that. But I do like give out like a lot of resources again, just on this stuff, like the mindset piece and, and that's really my book. So make money your thing. Um, it's really about that. Like it's, to me, it's like the manual that I would want to give to every woman about money investing, like, the mindset piece, all of that in one, where by the end of it, you know, I hope that they're feeling inspired and confident and ready to do the things. And, and so it's like, to me, it was like putting all my years of experience of like what I talk to people about in this resource. Cause I am aware that obviously I can't talk to everyone and, and, you know, have the time to help every single person, although I'd love to. Um, but so this is what I want to give to say, like, this is what I would suggest. And so I cover that in the book, make money your thing. Um, but yeah, for finding me, it's my website. So just kayleeboisvert.com, which my name spelled a little bit difficult. So it's K-A-L-E-E-B-O-I-S-V-E-R-T.com. And that has like my blog resources, my um my my books that you can kind of click the links on there too. They're available online for pre-order. They're going to be in bookstores as well when they come out. Um, so yeah, it's just any way I can. And 
Um, and yeah, with those books, I think that's a big star is just like putting it all in there. What I can kind of share with people, what I'd want women to know about money. Yeah. And um, like I said, they're not out until July, but go to the website because you've got loads of free stuff on the website to help people out as well. Yeah. So it's really, really good. Um, and look, my last question to you, and it can't be your own books that are coming out July, September. Um, what book would you recommend to my listeners and why? Um, did I say I can't make my own? Could I? <laughs> no, you can't. Okay. No, we've plugged them enough. Okay. So the book that I love about money is called The Psychology of Money. Uh, wow. It's pretty high on like the bestsellers and stuff. So you probably can't miss it. But I talk about this book all the time. Like I teach an investing 101 course and I'm always plugging it. I don't get any sort of like referral fee or anything, but I have it in like paper form. I have the audible version. I go back to it time and time again, the psychology of money. It plays so much into the piece of, you know, the psychology and the like kind of that stuff that's really holding us back. And I swear if people could read this book and master what it says, they will be successful in investing. And and that's kind of the big question and question mark for people, I think, a lot of the times that like, how do I invest? Where do I start? You know, what should I be investing in and stuff? So yes, The Psychology of Money, I would say it's like the best book out there. And and really, then it, it does come down to like our own kind of inner psychology working against us, if we can master that, if we can kind of take that piece out and decide to focus on, you know, what we can control and, and those things and being like a long-term investor and being patient and all those things, um, how you'll be successful. So I think it's a fabulous book. Yeah, no, that great. It's going on my list. Yeah. This list I've got <laughs> is like getting bigger and bigger. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to read all these books in my lifetime at the moment, but, um, but we will definitely try. Yes. My, I'm going to have to get another bookcase. I think it's just yes. getting massive. Well, that, or I'll get it on audible. God yes, love audible. You yeah. should be paying me for the adverts, but, um, yeah, no, like audible is great. I have a lot of books on audible as well. Yes. And it's like a, library in my pocket exactly you can so, listen to it on the road days. and absolutely yeah exactly exactly cool okay well look thank you thank again you. for being on the podcast it's been a real pleasure thank you so um, much we'll have to maybe get you back in september and talk about the kiddies book yeah and delve into a little bit more detail around the child your children's book and um and what that's all about yes. yeah yeah Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hey, I'm Jane Oakley, a Matilda alumni footballer, number 36, and you're listening to Radio Karen. Stay tuned. Don't worry about a thing, because Atticus Health will make you feel all right. Don't worry 
about a thing. Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright. If you got a tummy ache, or you don't feel right. Or if you have a nasty rash, keeping you up at night. Don't worry, don't worry about, about a thing. thing. Don't worry. Because <laughs> Atticus Health will make you feel alright. <laughs>